0: Listener production. Hey there, Sasha barber with you for today's extra episode of The Briefing. Artificial intelligence, they are the two words we are hearing more and more these days. And just this week, we've watched the soap opera that is OpenAI's governance unfold in front of our eyes. CEO Sam Altman, also the developer of ChatGPT, Fired and then reinstated in the space of days, allegedly over an ideological battle between safety concerns versus commercial interests of the tech company. From chat GPT, computer generated art and deep fakes to self-driving cars and humanoid robots. It is without a doubt having an irreversible impact on our lives. But did you know that also extends to our love lives? dating apps that Aussie swipe through every single day are using AI. Yep, Tinder, Bumble, OkCupid all use it for various functions. It is kind of a scary thought though, to have artificial intelligence involved in your dating life. So how does all of this work? What changes are on the horizon for the dating app industry? And what are the risks of letting AI pick your soulmate? Well, in the studio, I've got listener journalist Michaela Savage. Thanks for coming on. Thanks for having me. So how are dating apps using AI right now?
1: Yeah. So like you mentioned, they all use it for sort of different purposes. A couple of examples, Tinder has this smart photos for the most swipe worthy you setting. Um, It basically alternates the photo that's first seen by others when someone else looks at your profile and it notes each response as other people swipe on you. And then it'll start to reorder your photos to show your best ones first, basically. That's
0: interesting because you have an idea of what your best photo is. Yeah, But AI might go, well, actually, that's not the best photo of you. Yeah, exactly. That's so interesting. And like,
1: you know, have you ever asked a friend like, oh, do you like this photo of me? And maybe you hate it, but they're like, that's beautiful. So it's it's just, yeah, it's really... So clever. Yeah. Um, And they actually saw like a 12% increase in matches through this AI feature. So, you know, not too shabby. Mm. Um, Hinge uses machine learning for its most compatible and its WeMet features. The most compatible algorithm usually sends data one most compatible recommendation every day based on your sort of recent activity, your mutual deal breakers, a couple of factors. Um, And WeMet asks you a bunch of questions about dates that you've been on and how they went. And then it uses that info when it recommends you new people in the future.
0: Mm, and Bumble has that dick pic feature. Is that AI?
1: Yeah, it is. It's yeah private detector and it automatically blows potential nude images shared in chat messages so that you can decide whether you want to view them or block them, even report the image. Uh, so you shouldn't yeah get anything unsolicited.
0: Mm, I heard OkCupid is also using ChatGPT.
1: Yeah. So OkCupid asked ChatGPT to create some questions for its users, basically, that will you know, help them find more compatible matches. Mm-hmm. Um, some of them were, are you more of an introvert or an extrovert? What's your favourite way to spend a weekend? How do you know when to take a relationship to the next level? Are you a morning or a night person? And some of these questions that chat GPT have suggested have now been added to the app for users to answer.
0: Yeah. So it sounds like match compatibility and safety are kind of the two main areas we're seeing AI used in dating apps at this point in time. Yep. Is AI going to get better at matching people together in the future? Is it going to take the work out of dating.
1: Yeah, well, by all predictions, it absolutely will have that capability. But, you know, surprise, surprise, it's not going to stop there. And what's something that's really caught my eye looking into this. So Bumble's founder, Whitney Wolf-Herd, who's recently stepped down as the CEO, she's spoken quite a lot about using AI more within the app, in particular as a kind of dating coach almost, Mm -hmm. um, to quote her. So she says, the average US single doesn't date because they don't know how to flirt or they're scared they don't know how. What if you can leverage the chatbot to instill confidence to help someone feel really secure before they go and talk to a bunch of people they don't know?
0: I kind of get it because we talk a lot about how this next generation coming through has grown up on their phones, yeah. communicating via messages that maybe it feels awkward to kind of like be bold and, and reach out to yeah. people. So I, I, I kind of get it. Having like a bit of a hype man sitting there with you being like, yeah, you're doing great. This is
1: the perfect way to say that. It could be super useful. And just for people who don't have like a support system of friends or family, like, you know, you might go to your friend and be like, oh, do you think I should send this message? But Mm. if someone doesn't have that, maybe an AI chatbot doing, taking up that kind of role would actually be really, really helpful for people. Yeah, still kind of weirds me out though a little bit. I'm not going to lie.
0: Yeah, look, um, yeah. AI is an interesting thing. Mm. Um, But yeah, like we're seeing, it's just penetrating more and more of our lives.
1: Absolutely. And to get a better idea of what this AI does, coach might actually look like. I had a really eye-opening chat with Professor Joel Pearson. He's a psychologist and neuroscientist and also the director of the Future Minds Lab at the University of New South Wales. He thinks it could develop even further from just an AI helping you figure out how to flirt.
2: Having a coach that can help you with that is really interesting. And there's going to be a fine line between just getting my AI to do the, the, the initial chats, right, first is an interesting concept. So maybe we're going to see in the not too distant future that my AI is just going to talk to your AI and they're going to see if we're a match rather than us actually having to talk or type or any interaction, which is both interesting, but also a little bit kind of strange and scary, I think. Uh,
0: Yeah, that is strange (laughs) and scary. I agree, strange and scary. However, Dating can be exhausting, having yep. to constantly feel through these people, especially if you're doing it on apps where you're swiping right or swiping left. I can kind of see the appeal in a chat bot. Vetting people for you, so you get to them and you go, "This should be a good match."
1: (laughs) Well, I think it could really make that part of the process much more efficient, yeah, and exactly take the work out of it. You won't have to do that bit. But I kind of worry that maybe would it take the human connection out of it? Oh, totally. uh, But is that the way we're going in society? uh, Well, maybe it is. We're all just going to be talking heads on a computer at some point. Yeah, yes, and your computer will talk to my computer before (laughs) we even meet. I'm still worried about that. (laughs) Uh, I'm
0: getting deep and existential. Uh, Is Joel? worried about any risks with letting AI potentially have this much control over our dating
1: lives. Yeah, well, and and look, I should just clarify that Bumble and other dating apps are not doing these AI to AI chats at this stage. Mm. This is Joel's prediction for the industry as a whole in the future, but in the near future. yeah. And he was very clear that when this does happen, it's really important to make sure that there are proper safety measures built in, specifically when it comes to the mental health and the psychological side of things.
2: It's very easy to give an AI a specific goal, right? And the classic example we have of this already is on social media platforms, where the goal for the AI is the algorithms is to keep people engaged and keep them on the platform for longer. So advertising revenue goes up, right? What we saw and what we're seeing now is that if people are they're getting engaged, they're getting angry, they're getting anxious and depressed, that will keep them on some of these platforms for longer. So the alignment thing there, right, with this narrow goal given to the AI, where there's actually this external and negative consequence to humans. We have to be very careful with that kind of thing.
0: Okay, so that's what's happening on social media and we all know it is pretty problematic. Um, What could that look like on a dating app, an AI doing absolutely everything it can to get a date with someone that does feel like it could be dangerous?
1: Pretty much, and Joel thinks it's a possibility.
2: So an AI will very quickly learn where one person is more vulnerable to this or to that. And so your AI could try and manipulate me if I don't have an AI to filter or vice versa. So if I give my, right, my AI the goal of, you know, at any cost, <laughs> get a date with this person, then it's gonna use whatever means it can, unless I add in all these extra safety parameters. So that's the kind of thing I'm thinking about where it will learn very quickly Mentioning certain things might make the other person feel vulnerable or triggered and therefore they they may be more likely to say yes or more likely to do whatever. That's the kind of thing I'm thinking about where you're actually very subtly manipulated.
0: Yeah, see to me that is a huge concern because it sounds like it could be the evolution of things like coercive control and emotional abuse in a relationship.
1: Yeah, I think that is a real concern. And look, I I also asked him about whether he reckons these AI features will just be for people who want to pay for their accounts on these apps or also available to users of the free versions. Because, you know, he's talking about people who might have an AI and then people who might not. There's a bit of inequality there potentially. Mm. He raised this really interesting point, though, that at the moment, it's a bit of an arms race, right, with AI. Everyone's just trying to get in there first, get customers, be the best on the market. But in terms of how those apps make money, it'll come down to each app's business model. And what's key about that is that if a dating app is successful, then ideally you'd be there for one day, you'd find your soulmate and you'd never have to use it again, right?
0: Yeah, well, that's Hinge's tagline, isn't it? The app that's designed to be deleted. deleted. That's right. (laughs) So
1: technically, the more efficient these apps are, the less daters need to use them. Mm. So if we're talking about AI making our dating lives more efficient and weeding out the bad eggs so that we don't have to, is that what is actually going to happen?
2: Their business won't work if people have to stay on using the app for six months, right? But if people use the app for 24 hours, their business won't work either. So maybe they want to find matches that work for the medium short term, right? So a relationship works for a month or two, and then then we, then you break up or something. And maybe without telling us, they could optimize their algorithms, their AIs for something like that, for short-term success, but not long-term success, which would be kind of sneaky, but you can see how the alignment of their business model with the human outcomes could be slightly misaligned there.
0: Mm, Yeah, it's one of those things, there's definite positives or like amazing things that AI can do, but it obviously comes with a lot of risks attached.
1: Yeah, I'd say that's a pretty good summary. For listeners that want to know more, though, we are going to pop my full interview with Joel Pearson in the briefing feed. It was honestly a fascinating chat. Mm. I highly recommend you listen.
0: I will definitely be listening to that one this weekend. Thanks so much for bringing us this one, Michaela. Thanks for having me. That was listener journalist Michaela Savage there. Thanks for listening to today's extra episode of The Briefing. That is all we have time for today. Tom and the team will be back in your feed tomorrow at 6am.